It's Monday, January 16th. This is episode 34 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Matt Morsey, investment team manager here today. Hello. Hey, Danny. Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Welcome to you. Hey, guys. Good morning. So short week this week with the market celebrating and observing MLK Day today. But we have a lot of Fed speakers this week. The market will be keeping a close eye on what they have to say. And for the most part, it's been a pretty solid start to the year um, with stocks marching higher, uh, keeping an eye on both equal weight and market cap weighted indices and we kind of have that in strengths here so let's let's dive right into it over the past couple months even the course of say the past year value has handily outperformed growth and that trend continues to hold and it's kind of likely given the current backdrop that that continues to hold you know you have a mix of valuations that are favorable for value names earnings basically pessimism around earnings, uh, which that can kind of hit some of your growth of your companies a little harder given elevated inflation rates. And then combine that with, you know, the interest rate environment kind of suggests that value-like companies could continue to outperform. And that really comes down to, you know, that cocktail of materially higher cost of capital now, investors paying more attention to corporate balance sheets, tends to favor those value-like companies going forward since they tend to be financially healthier. Uh, A lot of their revenues aren't forecasted further off in the future. In the broader market, you know, this rally that we've seen as of late has been broader based. So the equal weight S&P has outperformed its market cap weighted counterpart and basically more breadth suggests that there's more health in the markets, right? Positive market breadth occurs when more stocks are advancing than declining and it suggests that bulls are in control of momentum at the moment. Yeah, I think that, you know, that part, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later as well, too. But the idea that it's not, the market's not being led right now by the FANG stocks, which it did really for about a decade or so, that the market sh- has really shifted away from those companies. And it's good to see that the average company now is leading the market uh, instead of just a handful of names. One area in particular that is, I think, pr- probably pretty startling to most is that gold has outperformed the S&P 500 over the last year and, and has done so by over 20%. Um, That's an area of the market that I think most investors would have thought would have done well with having increasing inflation for most of last year, and that gold got a pretty bad rap of not being an inflation hedge anymore because of that. But I think what it really turned to be is that because the dollar was so strong that gold didn't have that opportunity to shine. And now that the dollar has pulled back from those historic highs that we saw um, late Q3, early Q4 of last year, gold has outperformed off of this market bottom, which from some of the analysts that we listened to, that's both a good and a bad side, which, you know, every one of these things could be a pro anacon. It's seen as an opportunity for something like that that has been very underowned and that has been somewhat forgotten about or pushed off to the side that has had some leadership that if people start to recognize and then get in, gold might actually have some legs here as well. And that's something that we'll touch on a little bit later, too, is the strength of the dollar, what that's meant over the past year. Um, but now kind of looking at the flip side of that, right? What does a weaker dollar mean for, for certain areas of the market and how can we evaluate those those certain areas? Let's, let's dive into weak though. One area that we're watching pretty closely, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, but with earnings season coming up here, uh, we wanted to reiterate this point. And, you know, a weakness that we see, I guess you kind of view it as a threat. We have seen profit margin compression. You know, we've started to see those figures roll for the broader market. So this is the case when you look at both reported earnings, trailing four quarter averages, and even looking 
at forward estimates, analysts are anticipating those profit margins to come down. You know, some companies have seen sales growth, but one thing that we pay really close attention to is how volumes look, right? So are they moving a higher quantity of goods? Uh, are they doing more business from a volume standpoint? We also couple that with uh, what we're seeing from a cost standpoint too, right? Are costs increasing while volumes are declining? That's typically something that we don't necessarily view as favorable. We pair those two together, right? Looking at volumes and sales growth relative to cost growth. So we've seen the margins already kind of roll over in Q3, and this is going to be a really closely watched earnings season. So we're, we're going to pay really close attention to kind of if that trend continues, the consensus from pretty much across the industry seems to be that earnings are going to take a hit here. One thing I want to caveat that with, though, is our chief strategist, Todd Voigt, mentioned this last week, is that even in years where you have negative year-over-year -year earnings growth, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad for stocks. The market's forward-looking in years where you've seen earnings roll over, you've actually seen stocks perform quite well. Uh, so definitely something to keep an eye on. We're obviously watching margins, but there's there's a whole mix of how the market evaluates that, how it looks forward, so on and so forth. Yeah, I think that's going to be really the story of, of this year is what, what happens to corporate earnings, how much of that has been discounted already, and then how do we start to move forward? You know, when we listen to CNBC or Bloomberg or, or any of the, the financial news networks, you know, the arguments that they come on is, especially if you're bearish, is that corporate earnings hasn't rolled over yet. Well, the counterpoint to that, Trevor, as you said, is that the market's a forward-looking mechanism. So we've already had a pretty big pullback in the markets last year. Could that be the forward-looking nature of it in terms of earnings coming down? And as we start to see what those earnings numbers come in and what that forward guidance is, which is oftentimes much more important than what the company actually just did, is, is what are they seeing going forward? Is what is that messaging that they're going to give us? Part of that, I think, from an earnings perspective is going to come down to the consumer and, and how we're able to spend throughout this year. You know, coming off last Last year, we kind of talked a lot about this being the Christmas season where people, you know, kind of have that last kind of go. And we're starting to see that with the savings rate plummeting, you know, to an extent in terms of what it has been. All that stimulus has been getting washed out of the system. And, you know, even through the bank earnings, you know, that was a big part of that messaging they had is, you know, in terms of how much, you know, consumers still have in their bank accounts compared to what they did before. And there's still some room there, but it's something that we're watching because it certainly has changed directions over what it had been over the last couple of years years. And that's one thing that I kind of want to take a contrarian approach to, given kind of what we've heard across the industry through the past year. We've heard plenty of market pundits saying, oh, the consumer's strong, the consumer's strong, the consumer's strong. But looking underneath the hood, I kind of disagree with that, given what you said, Matt, right? That savings rate is down. We see debts up as well. So debts are up and savings are down. Consumers are rolling through their excess pandemic savings. And now, with a lot of them feeling the blow from inflation, we've seen consumers taking on additional debt to meet everyday needs, buy groceries, pay bills. Uh, I don't think that really points to uh, the consumer being that strong, if that's the case. Well, I think it's certainly wearing off. And as you start to see that, that debt roll over, it's getting refinanced at high, much higher rates. Credit card rates have gone up a lot. Mortgage rates have gone up tremendously over that time period. So if somebody is you know rolling that debt over taking new debt on they're paying a much higher interest rate right now than they were just six months or nine months ago from an opportunity standpoint if we want to move that way we've talked a lot over the last few months on international emerging market equities this is something I think we even did a whole swap podcast on the on the past was was EM and and how attractive that is and it's certainly been 
a talking point that you could have had really for the last 15 years, that international has been a lot cheaper than the U.S., and it became more and more cheaper every single year. There's a funny back and forth, again, going to, to CNBC, of two people having that argument with each other last week of one person saying international is cheap, you know, were two standard deviations or three standard deviations, you know, cheaper than the U.S. and the other person just kind of yelled back at them, you've been wrong for 15 years. Right. And I, it was a funny back and forth, but both sides are right on that. And it, it only takes a catalyst to kind of change it. And we finally have seen, I think, with the dollar starting to weaken, that international has actually outperformed over the last 12 months versus the U.S., which is something it has not done since the financial crisis. Well, and that's the big thing, too. I'll kind of piggyback on, on that, is that emerging markets and the dollar have been inversely correlated for the better part of the last you know 25 plus years. And so a weaker dollar tends to translate into emerging market outperformance. And, and why is that, right? I think one easy way for people to digest is that a lot of commodities across the world are priced in US dollars. So when the dollar is strong, you have inflation pushing prices up, emerging market countries need to buy dollars Right, they need to convert their currency to dollars in order to, you know, be able to purchase those commodities and whatnot. They're also kind of, I want to say, at the uh, mercy of the U.S. when it comes to a monetary policy standpoint. Right, sometimes they're forced to respond to whatever the U.S. is doing in order to try and defend their currency. And with the U.S. dollar being kind of that safe haven, you know, global reserve currency, you know, emerging markets kind of have to bend to the will of the U.S. And so kind of going off of that inverse relationship with the dollar and whatnot and, and growth aspects and whatnot. Um, I think going forward that there are some opportunities in the EM space, right? We talk about valuations. The caveat is that EM has been cheap for a reason for the past 15 years, primarily because of the lower growth rates that we've seen relative to the U.S., and we've also seen um, inferior earnings power relative to U.S. companies. The reason that many people are bullish on EM and international at the moment is that you kind of have this trend of deglobalization uh, coming in across the board. You have a shift in supply chains. You have people kind of reorienting how they're going to do business and whatnot. And with growth potentially reaccelerating EM, primarily fueled by a China reopening versus, you know, the U.S., anticipating slower growth this year, it makes that trade on a relative basis really attractive for EM. Yeah, I think one thing that we pointed to earlier was the breadth of the market's been improving and where that is going to potentially lead to an overall healthier market and the ability, especially for an active manager, to outperform when they're not chasing the five names to do so. That also is a, a benefit for international versus U.S. The U.S., had a period of outperformance largely based off of just those fang names and if they are not going to lead and potentially have some more downside in in front of us which is you know i think pretty commonplace from a viewpoint from especially from a technical analysis standpoint international em can outperform because the largest part of the u.s market might be underperforming so the average stock might be doing better so an equal weighted index might do well but a market cap weighted index might underperform in the U.S., allowing international to outperform. Right. And I think kind of to wrap all that up is make sure that you're aware of cognitive biases that exist, right? What has done well for the past decade might not be the best trade for the next decade, right? We've seen markets ebb and flow. You know, we've seen EM outperform in the past. Then we've seen the U.S. outperform. Then we've seen things like the Nifty 50. The past, you know, decade, we've seen FANG and whatnot. And, and things can change, right? Markets adapt. Markets are dynamic. So the key is being willing to 
you know, take in new information and kind of shift your viewpoints as you go. You know, obviously, phrase that can be associated with that is, you know, changing your opinion as the facts change. So definitely something to be aware of. Matt, let's jump into threats. What do you got? Yeah, to me, the biggest threat is that the leg of the Fed increases, rate increases, is starting to hit and is going to continue to hit throughout the course of at least this year, that there's still a battle right now that's that's been happening with the yields coming down at the same time the Fed has still been pushing rates up and is saying that they're going to be continuing to do so. Maybe it's slower rates than they have been in the past, but the higher for lager is their mantra now compared to the lower for longer that it used to be. And the market certainly isn't in agreement with them right now. And that that friction there is potentially going to cause a problem. In fact, even one of the Fed uh, uh, governors last week was was being asked about that. And he said that the markets are eternally optimistic that we will start to cut and that they believe that's bullish for the markets. He said they're playing chicken with the Fed. They will, they will lose, though, is what his comment was. Now, sometimes they go out there and talk tough in order to get some action happening that they can't necessarily control themselves. Um, but just that play between the two of them, if that goes in the wrong direction, could have a negative impact on the markets. And that's also been a function of that, or I guess an example of that, has been the whole buy the dip mentality that we've seen over the past few years, where anytime there's a little bit of a pullback in the markets, investors just come piling in uh, with some of their excess cash to you know, just kind of lift stocks higher. And like you said, I mean, it's definitely different now. Rates matter, valuations matter, balance sheets matter. We, we have all that coming into play. One other thing that I wanted to note from a threat standpoint is inflation, right? We've talked about this a couple times, but the threat that inflation stays higher for longer. The reason for that being, you know, while we've seen goods inflation start to roll over and and ease, which obviously is a good thing, the trickier part of inflation is the services component. And services tend to be a, a stickier segment of inflation going forward. And I think the Fed might have a really hard time uh, trying to curb that and bring services inflation down. So I think that that component of inflation could keep things elevated from an overall core standpoint going forward. One other thing to note as well um, is if you know equity exposure from the household level matches consumer sentiment. We've seen something pretty interesting over the course of the past week that over time you've tended to see equity exposure kind of follow consumer sentiment. And so those numbers are quite dislodged right now with consumer sentiment looking quite poor. However, equity exposure uh, still relatively elevated. So obviously the threat there is that that tracks, there's more selling pressure. Um, and then we see that figure drop and that could be catalyzed by, you know, weaker earnings, softer guidance going forward. Um, the threat there is obviously that those match. Now, obviously, uh, relationships between data sets can change over time, but something that we're watching. You know, I'm curious, federal holiday today, which means the markets are closed for Martin Luther King. How does this change your day as far as what you guys do? Uh, from a trading perspective, it makes the day a little bit easier that, you know, we're not tied to our, our desks work, trying to work trades through. So it gives us an opportunity to dig into more research, um, but also to catch up on some of the project stuff that we do. Same thing for you, Trip. 
yeah, you know, obviously my title is senior trader, so on days where I can't trade, uh, it's it's finding other things to do. So um, you're gonna catch up or get ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right? assisting right. some of the co- so like our colleagues, uh, Blaine Disrud and, and Jason Cooper, our, our two research analysts, helping those guys out with what they do, looking at different data sets, uh, you know, putting information together for our investment policy committee. So o- always plenty to do. Yeah, great. Let's wrap up. Let's uh, talk about some headlines, headline strength. The breadth of the market's been outperforming and providing a, a healthier market situation. What's our headline weakness? Watching the consumer going forward, but then secondly, um, margins are feeling the pressure and we're seeing sales volume coming down with cost rising. How about a headline opportunity? International and emerging market equities. And a headline threat. Slower growth as inflation comes down, but then inflation also being a little bit more stubborn going forward. Trevor Narges, senior trader. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Matt Morrissey, investment team manager. Thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.